Hello and welcome to Funny Business, the best podcast on the internet. I'm Locke. And I'm Rob. And on today's episode, we have the amazing Lee Chan. And uh, this was a pretty uh, long time coming episode. You know, we met Lee a few years ago and uh, her, her life's sort of been pretty different the last few years, which is something she gets into in this episode. And I don't know, I just, we love food here at Funny Business. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe you, you expose a few things about yourself which maybe you would like to take back. Well, it's a little bit of banter. You know, I'm happy to play the devil's advocate or the other side of the coin. Maybe I'm not that hard or strong opinion on it throughout the episode, just letting you know just in advance. But it's a fun episode. It's a it's a authentic, real chat, hey? Oh, it's one of some of the favourite stuff that we get to do here on the pod is um, talk to real people doing real things and uh, – Lee's authenticity really stands out. I'm telling you, she's doing some good things. Uh, I feel like you're going to enjoy this chat. Lee, thank you so much for jumping on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us who are you, what do you do? Thanks for having me, guys. Um, Hey, guys, I'm Lee Chan. Uh, I'm a food presenter and a cook. I've been on shows like Coxie's Big Break, Just uh, Just Go TV and A Movable Feast. Uh, I have my own show, aptly named uh, Lee Chan's World Food Tour. Uh, people think my claim to fame was when I was on My Kitchen Rules, but uh, I actually think, personally, my claim to fame was uh, when I became the Lotto Girl. I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> different haircut. It was a bit short yeah, back in the day. Very, yeah, very different haircut. I got that. I did that for about three years. Yeah, I didn't realize you did the Lotto. Was that a, that would have yeah. been fun as? That was, um, I mean, yeah, it paid really well. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, it uh, doesn't, doesn't help when you're, you know, sometimes like part-time dyslexic as well. <laughs> you're like 23, nope, 32. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we first met, when was that? I think it was maybe even two years ago when uh, Christoph, he hooked us up and um, with his food, I forget what it was called now, but I'm going blank. But that was so fun when we got to do the, the you taught us how to make Yeah, a- we did the online cooking classes uh, during the pandemic. What was it, awesome buka or something? What was the thing that we? No, had to- we. I well, I tried to teach you guys how to make a moussaka. That's oh. it. Seriously, and, you did and well, Locke, though. I don't know. Like, uh, house is a bit. I sick. feel like if you had eaten locks, many of locks cooking, you might be poisoned. Seriously, he's, <laughs> he's dangerous in the kitchen and not in a good way. Because I remember when you were just like you're doing everything by hand and stuff, and I thought I could just do the same because you know I just think I'm a I'm a professional chef too, and I was like, no, you can't do that, lock. You know, you need that experience. All I need can, to measure. All you can cook is cumin noodles. True. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> you guys did well though. Your masaka looked special. What about what about you? Like, where did the love for food happen? I think I've always had a love for food. Um, my my mom and I used to eat out a lot because she's a single parent. She was, you know, raising me by herself, and she's such a lazy cook. Like, she's unless she's in the mood, she's like, we'll just slap a few things on the plate and call it a day. So we used to eat out a lot. Like that was her solution, and so I feel like my palate grew from that. You know, I was exposed to so many different flavors and different cultures of food, um, and I, I love it. My dad was a really keen cook as well. When we lived together, he used to do dinner parties all the time, and um, I think it was just something that was innate in me. I, re- I really enjoy the process of cooking. For me, it's really therapeutic. And, and fast forward, when did you realize that you wanted to try and make a career out of food? Well, uh, I accidentally got was thrown onto My Kitchen Rules as a contestant. <laughs> I had a housemate at the time and uh, he was like, after a bowl of wine and after watching the first season, he's like, this is going to be so funny one day. 
So he applied and he didn't tell me about it. And then I got a phone call from the casting agent who I hung up on because I was like, lady, you're crazy. This is not, I did not put in an application for a cooking show. Like, I don't want to be on TV. And uh, yeah, so it was confirmed that uh, he'd thrown me in the ring and we auditioned, we got on the show. We were so crap. My God, we were so crap. I think we must have scored the lowest in, because they do these um, like dinner parties, like <laughs> dinner parties and uh, where they, like all the contestants come over and you're supposed to do this whole theme and like three course meal and have entertainment and I think we scored the lowest in like the the history of the season at the time. Um, but we were scrappy. We sort of made our way all the way to the uh, the finals, and we lost we lost the trophy by four points. Yeah, that that was one of the early seasons too. Yeah, with my kitchen rules, it was, it was season like, two. Which is wild. I think like some of those shows, like you see the big ones like My Kitchen Rules and Master Chef, and how many years they've actually been going for now. But like, I feel like that was when there was a, so much hype around cooking and mainstream TV. mainstream TV around like yeah. obsession with food. Did you feel no, that being was, a part of it? Yeah. Well, oh, it was, it was amazing being a part of it because back then it was like, Oh wow. Like, you know, this is the rise of, um, you know, cooking competitions on national television and you really felt like you were part of something and being, you know, uh, Chinese Australian as well. Like before me, like you don't, you, I didn't really see, sort of Chinese Australians on TV, let alone in a cooking show on primetime television. Um, and I'll never forget the feeling of, you know, going down freeway and just see my face plastered on a billboard and you're like, oh, what's life right now? You know, what what a world that I'm living in. Like it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's surreal. So then what happens? You go on the show afterwards. What What's the plan for you? Are you just sort of seeing where the opportunities are and, Seeing where you want to well, lead. Well, yeah, into? I I don't think I ever wanted to be on television or, or be famous in, in in any sort of way. I never really thought about being a presenter. Uh, so I guess after the show, I they tricked me into auditioning for Coxie's Big Break. They were like, "Oh, it's just a little guest spot. Like you'll be all right." So. You know, I filmed it with like a little segment that they did, and it was about food. And I didn't know they were looking for you know a resident foodie. Uh, and then so it aired and six months later they were like, oh, do you do you want a permanent spot on the show? And I was like, do I? <laughs> like, this is amazing. I get paid to eat and I get paid to talk to people that cook the food. It's awesome. Yeah, so I took the job. <laughs> you got a story about Coxie, don't you? I remember being a kid and we went to – Coxie came down to the Aries Inlet Lighthouse uh, down on the surf coast of Victoria and we were – I was part of the surf club there. I was like maybe like 12. Any little or big cogs. Uh, and we had to go. And- cold that day. <laughs> <laughs> we all had to walk up the stairs or whatever to go and see, like to look out over the thing while he's filming and stuff. And I reckon it must have been a long filming day. It's a pretty hot day and stuff. And there was no toilets around. And I don't know if Coxie's going to listen to this pod or not, but I'm pretty sure this is. This is pure 15 year memory here, but I'm pretty sure he might have pissed his pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I like. No. And that happened, and I and I remember all the kids that were over there. Pointed <laughs> and I'm like, that's crazy. But I like good show though, isn't it? Coxie's big brother. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> show, bro. Yeah, yeah. Are you listening, Coxie? I'm not sure. That must have been 2005, maybe 2006. The show's been going. The show went for so long. Don't make it serious. The show yeah. went on for ages. I think. Um, 
at one point, I feel like we celebrated it's like 15 years. No, it couldn't have been like 12 years or something. Like it was something insane, you know, and he'd been doing it. And he'd, has, he'd obviously had different people um, on the show, you know, throughout the years. Um, but then towards the end, we had a really solid crew. Like it was myself and we had uh, Reese Ulich, um, Sherry Lee Biggs. Uh, and we, we made a really good team, actually. Reese Ulrich, bro. I remember him. He built all the tiny houses and shit. He had the <laughs> sexy long life. hair. Is he the, is Even the I was like, I'm, I think I'm turning. <laughs> <laughs> he's so hot. I was like, this guy's just got it going good, on. He's right? a good he was, just, he yeah. was just as good as they get, I reckon. Oh, you liked him too. Huh? I reckon every <laughs> All men were slightly confused for a little while, I reckon. <laughs> I'll tag him in this and make sure he sees it. <laughs> Maybe we'll get cool. So, so what have you learned th- throughout the years around like content? You know, like we mentioned earlier, like mainstream TV and sort of the buzz and hype around that to now you can sort of publish anything and distribute anything you want now. So how have you seen that sort of change over time and how do you see yourself sort of playing in this space? Uh, so I think back then our food content was rather superficial. So, you know, like it was like you cook this and, oh, yum, this is amazing. I think we're sort of, I, for a lot of years now, we've been moving into um, having a little bit more substance. So we want story behind the food. We want to know where the food comes from. We want to know uh, about the person who's cooking the food, where that inspiration comes from. Um, and so there's a real con- like there's a real conversation around being authentic, you know, like, it's not just, hey, I'm slapping this on a plate and, you know, this is it. It's what, what's the story behind this dish? Like, how did you come across this? Like, you know, what country did you have to go to to draw inspiration from it? So, um, yeah, there's food, like telling stories through food. I mean, it's been done before, but in mainstream media, I think it's more prominent now. I'd love to get into a little bit more about, like, from a perspective of, like, growing up in as a Chinese Australian getting into food and being that sort of face like you mentioned at the start what sort of was there any like did you feel pressure attached to doing some of that sort of stuff and you mentioned you didn't see things like that on tv before you were doing it yourself well uh, I mean it's it's a it's a funny thing I think I think for a um a normal I would say wouldn't say normal like I feel like I didn't really have a, a Chinese like upbringing per se. So I feel like I've kind of, in for fear of a better word, assimilated, <laughs> uh, which is, no, I know it's not great for the Chinese community. Um, but, you know, like I used to get stopped on the street and people would be like, oh, it's so good to see, you know, a Chinese Australian like representing like, you know, the Chinese community and, and all of that. And, you know, I kind of felt a little bit of guilt because I was like, oh, I feel, you know, like my Asian friends would call me whitewashed and it's like I'm a banana, like I'm, you know, white on the inside, but yellow on the outside. And it's like, I, I don't think that's a, a normal like experience for most Chinese people. Like my mum, she grew up in um, Hong Kong in a boarding school that was run by Italian nuns. So she's, you know, also a bit of a banana as well. And so growing up, like, you know, like I don't have these rich cultural stories to my, to my cooking. Like if I make a dumpling, it's because I freaking taught myself, you know, Um, it's not because, you know, my grandma left it to me in a recipe, you know, in a, in a book binder. Like it's like, I don't have that rich history. And I kind of felt a little bit, um, I guess uh, like, 
I guess that that story didn't apply to me, so I felt a little bit of guilt about it. <laughs> well, I just like that when uh, we got no, to hang it's out. Hard, it's hard, conflicting. I just said, I like when we got to hang out and do that sort of that cooking content is that you cracked a VB. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, this is oh, the- full bogan. I like this. Huh? I was like, we're, we're all like, we're going to get along. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's my dad's influence. He was a VB man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, what about like, at the, the moment? I know that you've had, we were saying, talking about some stuff off air. Um, your life's been pretty different since uh, maybe early start of COVID. You had some different stuff going on in, in your life and had to make some different decisions about where you put your time and energy. Can you go into a little bit about what's been going on in your world? Yeah, of course. Uh, my so we're, like as as you said, the world was coming out of the pandemic in 2021. Uh, so everyone was sort of going back to work, and I mean, I was sure I was getting booked for jobs, but uh, it kind of all came to a halt when I got a call from my auntie, whom I'm very close with, and she got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And she's the type of person who's just really blasé about it. So she was not really going to do much about it. So I made a decision to drop everything, uh, move to Sydney and take care of her full time. And so she passed away uh, about a month ago, oh, or about three weeks ago now. Um, yeah, long battle. I, I just, we were saying off air before, I just, you're a pretty incredible person to do that for someone. I can't imagine uh, some of the stuff that you've been through and being so fresh. So thank you so much for being open and honest about it. And to put your life on hold for someone else, it must be rewarding in a way to know that you've still done so much for someone else when it's like at a time where like you. When course, it matters, yeah. Yeah, you know, at a time when it matters. And of course, but everyone else going back to work and the pressure of like, what am I meant to do with my yeah, life? Yeah. Like, putting your life on hold, like uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, I'm, it's it was a privilege uh, to have been able to spend that extra time with her, uh, for sure. I wouldn't do it any. I wouldn't. I would make that decision over and over again. Um, it is hard. I mean, it, it's. I think the battle is now. Like now that it's all done, I mean, there's a sense of like emptiness in me where it's like, well, how do I get back to what I was doing? Um, Sorry, I'm getting all choked up. I don't even know why. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, of course, you. Of course, you I think it's like it's. Um, my wife. I was just before off air. Fuck cancer, you know what I mean? Like my my wife lost yeah. her mum when she was maybe fifteen, and and I and I know how much that's been a very like a young teenager to go through that sort of experience and losing anyone close to you. And there's so many like we've had a bunch of stories through doing the podcast and just life experience of just bad shit happening to good people and just yeah. whatever goes on and. I don't, I, the thing I'm learning more, like we've had Sally and Imogen, the girls from the Good Morning podcast, which talk around that's a grief community for people who have gone through and experienced loss and grief. And it, it's one of those things where at the start when I was, I was learning because I came in from a, a, a carer's perspective, like with my wife was like, oh, I'd love to be able to like try and make you feel better. You know, it's always about trying to make you feel better. But that, the thing I learned about going through some of these chats is sometimes you just, it's just, you mentioned the emptiness is that loss is you can't replace loss. You know what I mean? Like you can't no, fix I, the grief so aspect. So long, my, my, you know, it just became part of my identity. You know, it was like who, it was no longer I'm Lee Chan, I'm a TV presenter. It was I'm Lee Chan, I'm a full-time caregiver for my art now, you know, and it just becomes a part of who you are. Every day it's about, you know, what she's doing and, um, you know, how we can help. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. 
you mentioned now you, you're looking to get back into doing some stuff for yourself though and, and you like reclaiming Lee Chan a little bit and can you talk through what you're excited definitely. about though for some definitely. from a positive point of view? Reclaiming Lee Chan as the food TV presenter. Um, I actually have an event coming up in Melbourne uh, in September. Uh, it's about it's well, I, it's a, it's a little different from what I I was doing. I mean, um, it, it's telling my story. It's a storytelling event. Uh, I'm teaming up with the Leaders Circle. Uh, they help you know emerging leaders sort of navigate through the workplace and lead better through you know, being, ch- being a change catalyst and, and through co-creation. So I thought it was a really good fit um, to share my story in, in that way. So I'm look- really looking forward to that event. Oh, that's grouse. Yeah, we'll be definitely tagging along to that one. That's in Melbourne too, isn't it? That is in Melbourne. It's on the 7th of September. Um, yeah, if you go on my Instagram page, there will be a link for tickets. What about getting inspiration for telling your story and doing them things like is are you looking at content are you looking at other people's stories like building out what you're doing now with with the storytelling stuff yeah i'm always looking at other people's content i find other people's content inspiring i find the way that they that they tell stories inspiring and you pick up a lot of things i think one of the most important things about storytelling is just to be authentic like really tap into i mean sometimes i feel like the thing that you don't want to say that's the thing you've got to share the most. Um, and it's, you know, it's always going to be hard, but, you know, do something that scares you every day, right? Oh, we can speak to that. Like we've always sort of had that sort of philosophy, whether we've sort of thought about it or not, is sort of just going headfirst into things. It's like I was sort of sick of being around like, oh, these are cool ideas and not really doing anything with it. It's like actually running with it and and seeing what can happen and then changing like, we all know when we make a plan, it never never goes to the exact fucking straight yeah. line. There's all these different things that might lead to different areas. But you say it a lot, like leaving space for opportunities and stuff. Which it sounds like something that you've done along the way, like having an opportunity to do the food segments, to do the lotto, to have your own pilot, your own show, to do different stuff. Like it must be, I don't know, I feel like it's a... The mindset taking on. It's, it's, know, it's yeah. planning for the unknown. It's a yes attitude. <laughs> It's the, you know what, let's do it. Like I, and it's the same with this storytelling event as well. I've never done anything like this before. Uh, and, you know, it was scary because I was at first, I was like, oh my gosh, no one's going to come to this. Like, what is, you know, what am I going to do? But, you know, if, look, even if no one comes, it's a lesson in itself, you know, but what, what can I do differently? It's just about diving in and actually doing it rather than just sitting there going, I really want to do this event. How am I going? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's a, there's a difference between putting things in motion. I feel like once you do that, the universe sort of just comes and meets you and says, "All right, cool. Well, she's doing stuff. She's putting it out there. Let's help her out." I like I like that. Hey, what about like your friends? Do they put pressure on you to like make them cool <laughs> food? You know, like make good food, <laughs> and like do they do they expect you to host dinner parties and do things like that? Because I feel like. I would. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am the food person um, that uh, I am the food person that they go to. Um, actually, so much so that, like a few years back, like whilst I was filming, I kind of had to start a little food business on the side because um, I was getting asked to like not just from friends, but like people on social media to like 
cater like a birthday or like a boat party or like do an event or like I've got a dinner party and I've, or like I want to surprise my girlfriend and do like you know a romantic dinner for Valentine's Day and it was like oh yeah sure but like I'm gonna have to charge you because that's my time <laughs> you know so the lots of opportunities came from that but you know other than that I do love cooking for people like like it's probably one of my favorite things to do to create a dish or like, you know, know what their favorite food is and be like, you know what, I can do that. I can recreate this um, for you at home and like, let's pop open, open a bowl of wine and, and enjoy. It's one of my favorite things. That must be the best feeling when you're making someone something, you're putting some love into it and you're going, I think they're going to like it. And then they have their first bite and they're like, this is the best insert here I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It's it's very rewarding. No one says that when I make them two minute noodles. And I go, <laughs> I gave you two packets and I cooked them for three, bro. They're a little bit soggy, but they're perfect. You know, I feel they like I just reckon... thank you for not killing them. A little bit. It's a love would actually be a good challenge to cook for Lee because he's actually really fussy. So even though he I'm can't a big cook texture himself, person, yeah. he, you would think like people will just great make him a lot of stuff with it. love. And he still turns his nose up, even when it's made with love. And I feel I like think a lot of people don't like that's me. That's terrible. Yeah. He won't even force feed a couple of mouthfuls to pretend he likes it. He just won't even touch it. Is that is that good? No, manners no, no. Table or but not? people are coming down and they want to cook for me, and it's like you can come down and stay, but you don't have to cook for me. I don't, I don't want, I don't want that food. I know you might want it, but I'm happy with a bit of KFC. You know. <laughs> okay. So note to self: if I'm cooking for him, it's uh, fried chicken then. <laughs> fried chicken, I love like oh, I could eat fried chicken days. Hey, what about the opportunity to do your own show? Can we get into that? Yeah, I want to do another show. I'd love to do another show. That would, but like, I've got a couple of ideas floating around in my head, and I feel like as like as a creative, like, these ideas don't ever really stop. Um, and I think I've got a really great, you know, like storytelling voice, especially when it comes to food, because I'm so passionate about it. I'm so curious about it. Uh, one of the like one one story I'd really like to feel like I'd really like to do a like a, a whole show on is going back to China and maybe do it with my mum because neither of us, being actually Chinese, have ever stepped into the country um, or actually eaten food from where we're actually from. <laughs> That's oh, crazy! It's like really, but so bizarre. Or like she used to live in like she she was born in Shanghai. But she got, you know, she was a baby when she was taken down to um, to Hong Kong and that's where she grew up. And so she hasn't been back. And, I mean, I feel like a lot's changed since then. And I, ju- I just think it would be so surreal and just mind-blowing if, if, I could do, if, if I could do that story and broadcast it. I think I'd learn heaps. I think, you know, people watching would learn a lot. It's just a different perspective. And, that, and I guess that's what storytelling is. It it's, could be the same story from someone else's perspective. What sort of cuisines are your favourite? If you have to choose one or have to, have, you have to cook one, what are, you, what are you going for? Oh, I, I cook Italian a lot. I really, really enjoy like, you know, a, like a good lasagna. Like I, I could spend a whole day cooking a lasagna, like fresh pasta sheets and like bechamel. Like I really love French cuisine. Like I just, Anything that has a lot of butter in it, I just adore. Um, Chinese food comes, like Asian food comes really easily to me and I don't know where I get that from either. Like I could taste, like I could eat something and, you know, I'll innately just know how to balance like the sweet, the salty, the sour, uh, the chilli. Like 
I don't know, like it's a bit of a freak thing. But yeah, if I if I look in your pantry and you've got like Asian sauces, I, I can create a meal like that. Oh, you'd, you'd hate going through my pantry, but I reckon you'd love going through Rob's because all <laughs> his has got is ingredients. So you'd be like, I can make this, I can make this. Rob makes damper and stuff, don't you? <laughs> don't you say the worst shit. Yeah. <laughs> he makes everything from scratch. I don't right? make damper, but Locke's trying to take the piss. But, it's... but that must be sick, though, knowing, like, how do you think about food when you see the ingredients and that? Do you think about new things or old things that you can merge together? I actually with? just think about flavour profiles. Like, if I say, like, you know, I'll, I'll probably, like, kind of taste it. Be like, okay, well, you know, that's salty, that's, you know, herbaceous, that's zesty. You know, if you put that together, that's going to go with this protein or... Like, I don't know, it just kind of happens really nat- like naturally, which is, yeah, it's good. You, it's, it's worked in my favour. <laughs> do, you, do you invent your own dish? Have you ever, like, just combined shit and go, that's the new thing and that's Yeah, mine? sometimes when you're just missing ingredients or when you look at a recipe and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you, technically you only really have to change, like, I think 25% of a recipe, and you, like, and that's, like, originally yours. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. yeah. What about yeah, like I, I think I heard that when I was on my kitchen rules. How good's that? What, what about like learning yeah. and consuming other food content? Are there people out there, whether it's like food personalities and people that you, you looked up to or people that you like oh, can't 100%. stop looking at their stuff at the moment? Yeah, one hundred percent. Um oh style my plate, she's so good. Like she's on Instagram and she she just recreates things that she sees in like cookbooks, but her video content's really crisp. Like it's really like she always makes me like want to cook, you know, whatever she's making. And even if it's like a cake and I don't, I don't do desserts at all. Like I'm, I don't think I have the patience to be a baker because you have to measure everything and flour gets everywhere. And it's, it's not my thing. It's, it's, I just can't do it, but she makes me want to do it. So she's amazing. Um, not quite, not quite Nigella. She's a girl from Sydney. She does really good stuff as well. Um, obviously, all local people. Um, Nigella. You know, oh, was she, um, is it Nigella Bites? Was that back in the day? Was she from the UK or yeah, something? Yeah, so Nigella, so no, yeah, so not quite Nigella is not actually Nigella. Uh, she's just a girl from Sydney. Uh, she's not just a girl. She's a girl from Sydney uh, who's, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, she probably might even be better than Nigella. Like she's, you know, got some really good recipes but Nigella Lawson um yeah she's from the UK she's she's actually one of the current uh like uh My Kitchen Rules uh judges I think have you seen and she, and she does good she does good like sensual food content turns the Barry White up and it's on TikTok and I'm going this is crazy yeah, no, yeah. That, dim, the, dim the lights and dim the lights and just enjoy the food <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like she lost a few points when she uh, pronounced microwave as microwave. <laughs> <laughs> have, you like, seen the pa- have you seen the pasta queen now? on Instagram? I think her, I think her hair is the pasta queen or whatever, and she just no. Oh, uh, it's I, I can't. St- I, I feel like my feed on Instagram has just been like just a deep dive of like crazy food, and I sit there and it's like one of those things where you end up just like salivating looking at this stuff, going like. I want to eat that. And I feel like it's one of those opportunities now, especially with the amount of like content that people can make. I don't know. It's it's a weird space for food creators a little bit. Because I feel like some people are like massive. You look at their food and you're like, it doesn't even look that good. You know what I mean? I don't Everything know if you can actually goes cook, but... these days. Everything yeah. goes. I mean, even I'm like sort of reinventing stuff. Like I, um, 
you know, like, like I've been meaning to make this dish. Like I used to make this steamed egg, like savory steamed egg custard dish. And you have to like, everything needs to be so precise, like down to the measurement and like the, like, you know, what dish you put it in, the depth of it, because it needs to come out like so smooth and silky and like wobbly, right? So I, I've been perfecting this. I've been trying to perfect the recipe for years. I'm talking like I've given like a solid 10 years of my life to this recipe and wasted so many eggs. And I finally got the recipe during like, well, whilst I was here looking after my aunt. And so now I want to sort of elevate that. And I was like, well, normally I just, you know, add a bit of soy and some like sesame oil on top and it's perfect just the way it is. But I was like experimenting. I was like, what if I could just put like other stuff on it? Like what if I could make like, you know, like a Sichuan like mincemeat sauce and just chuck that on top, like, or like, you know, let's just play around with recipes. I've got in my Facebook feed at the moment, I've just been getting a bunch of Indian street food, but it's, I think it's because of my dwell time. Yeah, but you say yum, but like I looked at it and I was like, some of this shit was crazy. They're stirring stuff with their hands and that and like throwing plates and I'm like, Fuck, this is crazy. But pe- like people love it, you know what I mean? It's just me being like a real germaphobe, you know what I mean? I'm just crazy. Why is it on your feed though? What have you been? Because I because I look, I've been looking. I'm obsessed with watching people make food. You know, like the way they do. It's like the ASMR. Yeah, there's, there's. I mean, that that sort of there was a rise in that. Like, I mean, I we've got free to air like food channels at the moment. Like, I remember a time where you had to pay for that on like foxtel and it was like the food network or something and now it's just sbs food like it's just constant food content um i don't think there's enough of it like people people love watching other people cook my mum does it like i'm like mum, i'm cooking in the kitchen do you want to watch me do that and she's like no nah. she's on she's, she's like on her ipad watching someone else cook i'm like it's the experience and it? it's all the little cuts and all the little things but i feel like like social platforms like instagram and a new one coming out soon don't worry about that it's built for food you know what i mean it's around like it's a visual sort of stimulant where you're like everyone has to eat so it's like well yeah. it's like clothes and fashion you know like you see these people with the sickest tops and the sickest whatever and the cool food it's like things that you actually need every day you know but it's like visually stimulating i don't know yeah, I've, you know, thought, yeah, well, yes, everybody needs food, but I've met people who are just like, well, food's just there to sustain me. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you know, I just eat to like stay alive. And I'm like, but what about ever, like, what about I, enjoying it? Like, I don't understand. Like, this Leanna, is not no, you like might jump off the call computer. after this. You might jump off the call after this, but I've actually heard Locke say before more or more than one occasion, if I could just have a pill mm. that gives me the nutrients I need for my day, I would no. do that and forego food. He's actually said that. Mm. But I'll watch no. the video. I'll watch the videos just to see what I'm missing out. I'm more of a liquid guy. You know what I mean? I'll, <laughs> I love drinks, like drinks are my thing, smoothies and all that sort of stuff. Chuck it in a blender. I reckon I'll be good when I'm older, you know, because everything's in a blender, you know. <laughs> I'll be loving that shit. But no, I don't know, just food, because I'm not that healthy. So it's like if I could take stuff to make me even healthier and still be able to drink. I think, I, think I, I, like, I like the act of, like, chewing. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't drink chips, you know. Like, where you, you can't drink fried chicken, can you? I like, know, but I just... Point, the whole point of eating fried chicken is, like, that burst of like you know juice and oil when you like bite into it and then there's that crunch and like 
oh, it's just so beautiful. It's like when we follow some of the stuff on, on your Instagram, I feel like whenever we sit, you're always out eating the best food. You know, you see, it's just it's like, it makes you jealous when knowing that Locke's wanting to have his tablet of whatever. But I'm the same. I'm happy to go and pick it. Like one of my favorite things to do now is just like, Gorge, gorge. gorge. <laughs> like I want to eat as much as I can. Like I'm not, I'm not there to like. It's the rollout, the venue. You know, yeah, if I'm out, I'm gonna try. I want to try some of that. I want to eat all of that. I don't want to leave any on that plate because why? Why would I? I'm out here. I want to just eat everything. I feel like. Oh, oh gone funny. are the days where you order your own plate and like that's all you're having. It's like I used to like back in the day, and, and I feel like people are a little bit more educated now. So they so they go out and they want like they want to try all the things. Like I remember there was a time like I'd go out and I'd see. Like, a, like, and I, I don't mean to like, you know, shit on white people, but like, especially white people in like Chinese restaurants, they'd order like a whole plate of just fried rice and it's theirs. Like, that's all they're eating. And everyone else on the table was like, well, I want fried rice too. So they get their own fried rice. It's like, guys, <laughs> you can just share the one fried rice. You still get to try it, but then you get to try other stuff. Like, but, you know, people are so much more educated now, like, you know, we had a time where you know you'd go to a new restaurant and your maitre d would be like have you been have you been here before and then they'd explain to you like this is the share plate situation they don't do that anymore because it's just the norm which is so great we're moving in a good direction i'm one of them ones who just orders a special fried rice to myself and i feel like i'm about 10 years old after this chat (laughs) the only time i share the only time i share is with bobby Things. You do do the good order there, don't you? Yeah, that's so funny that you do. You do. Order when you were saying that, I was like, "Fuck!" I literally, I get the vegetarian fried rice, and that's it. And I'm the big baby. At the no. Time. Yeah. I mean, but, but how 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 are you supposed to expand your palate that way? Oh, look, to be honest, you've got to you've got to come out and eat with me. I'll force you to eat everything. Honestly, I look at your stuff. To be honest, if I go to a good <laughs> if I go to a good place, yeah. I'll try anything if I reckon the restaurant's sick. So if someone's like, it looks good, it feels good, I've seen the menu, it all looks good, I'll I'll happily try it. But you're not a risk taker. If you I'm, don't- not, I'm not the biggest risk taker, no. Nah, but like we went out for our mate's, uh, was it his 40th birthday? I can't I don't remember know. Nick Pulse's birthday oh. and they come out and there was all this like. We went to a steakhouse and oh. it was like, people said was like, yes. sausages and all sorts of stuff were coming out and like blood pudding and yeah. stuff. And Locke oh. was like, his face was. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can't even pretend to eat this. Like this is nuts. Like, and then I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't like say yes to blood pudding either. Like, I think I've had it once before, and it was uh, like, I don't, I I mean, I had like the tiniest bite, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But you know, I've grown up eating stuff like that, and I'm still like, mm, I don't know. Like, I've had I've had like, um, you know, the, like the Vietnamese have this like pig's blood jelly. It's like literally just a cube of like blood jelly. <laughs> Is it nice? And they have it in there. I mean, from what I remember, it literally just tastes like a like a cube of I mean it's like a little bit it's a little bit salty and it tastes a bit irony, like it like because obviously it's blood. Um you know, like you're not selling I, it. I to wouldn't me. I'm not I'm not big blood pudding, huh? <laughs> It's different. It's different to the um to the to the blood pudding to the um black pudding. You know, it's not a sausage. Like it literally is just congealed blood. What about other? Not crazy selling it. I know. I don't like it either. What about other crazy foods that you've seen or come across? 
Um, I think I've I have had insects in uh, Thailand, um, but they're just fried like crickets and stuff. Um, that wasn't that bad. Um, I've had I don't even know if this is legal, but I've had turtle soup oh, in yeah. Hong Kong. Um, like not willingly. Like I was young, and my mum was like, "This is really good for you," and I drank it, and it, like realized it was like this rare turtle soup. That she probably paid like thousands of dollars for, and I was like, turtle soup. Yeah, must, turtle must be good though. I, I played footy with a dude called Relton Roberts, who was um, uh, oh, dude, icon. He's, he, he's an Australian football icon. Actually, he's from the, he's up from the NT, and like English was actually his third or fourth language. So he was part from his family that the area that he was. He actually had three like um, native languages that he sort of spoke, and English was. Is either the third or fourth language. So he was, you can imagine the experience. So talented. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. The experience he had growing up was very different to what uh, our, my life was as an Australian living in Victoria, going to school here. Like, mm. so, but one of the things that. Mummy, there's no roll ups in my lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I look at that, that's funny. Um, but he, one of the things <laughs> was turtles. They they lo- he loved turtles and it was one of the things that they he ended up he really struggled with because he didn't train that hard and he made me drive them through Maccas and get big family boxes that's probably an issue there too but he was like you got to try turtle you got to try turtle and he goes that's the thing that they love and he would just like it, it really indulgent and I feel sad because I think of, like eating a turtle and that makes me but look sad. yeah me too like you know sorry. Every different country is different, isn't it? They're like different sacred animals and stuff. It's like not one just code for everywhere, is it? No, yeah. Um, no, I don't think there is. I think in I think most countries I, it's a religious thing if you're not eating a certain animal. Um, but, yeah, I think for the most part, I mean, you know, we all know not to eat like dogs and cats and, you know. Oh, yeah. Things like that. <laughs> like, I remember seeing, um, that, was it the Vice Docker? In Yulin or something, I was like, "This is fucking." I saw it when crazy. I went to Cam- when I went to Cambodia. I saw the dogs on the on oh. the fire on the side of the road, and that that was sort of oh, freaky. That's I didn't really so like. So sad. Yeah, that was that's a weird really experience. Sad. I mean, the Chinese are all about the sort of delicacies, and I'm not. I'm not here for that. Hey, well, let's let's move on past that one. What about we got a lot of people who are busy professionals who might be uh, working from home or need to like a smash it, a bit sloppy, and they, <laughs> they need to smash out some um, easy meals for their week, either for lunches and for dinners. What can you recommend? Uh, so what I used to do, I used to have ice like on like a Sunday and this is so like super simple because you, you kind of, you don't want to do too much. Yeah. So on, on a Sunday I do like meal prep. Um, one of the, I think one of the things that really helped me was just do it like finding like heaps of green vegetables. So I'd have like broccoli, zucchini, um, some green beans and some kale and like, you know, I just sort of really lightly blanch, you know, all the, all, all like the broccoli and the zucchini and stuff and leave you know the kale raw and then during the week I just have like a stash of them in the fridge so that whenever I'm hungry like I just eat some protein with it as opposed to like thinking about like an entire meal like so then it was one less thing that I didn't have to think about that was going to fuel me that was going to keep me healthy so whether I wanted to put rice with it or not like it didn't matter and you'd be surprised like 200 grams of veggies with like 
fats and protein, that fills you right up, what filled me right up anyway. So, and that was just a really good way to make sure that when I was at home, I wasn't snacking on like really crap stuff or like, you know, getting stuck and being like, oh, I'm really hungry. So I'll just order a pizza because it's convenient. It takes that out of it. It takes the guesswork out of it because you're like, okay, well, I've got that. So, you know, if I really wanted to order takeaway, you know, I might do like a black bean, like beef or something and from a Chinese takeaway and, and just eat that with the veggies instead of rice. And that was a really good way just to keep myself like accounted or like accountable. I love that because I think convenience is a big thing. I know it is for me and like mm. just little hacks like that. Like we have a friend, Hamish, who he, I reckon he's been eating the same shit for about 10 years where he has like tuna and corn and then he, but he has no flavor and that it's like, um, it gives me White Goodman vibes, like punish yourself. Yeah, yourself. It's, it's, yeah. food doesn't have to be punishing, like punishment, <laughs> you know, like you got to eat for nutrients and whatever. But I feel like if you're going to cook stuff, it's going to be like bland and it's going to be like Put a bit fuck. of salt on it. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> you couldn't get me near some of that food. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I'd rather starve. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think cooking in batches is really good as well. Like if you're doing like a huge batch of bolognese or like if you're doing a chicken casserole and all of those things, like you don't have to add like, you know, pasta or stuff to it. You can just eat it with the veggies. I think that's really good. And don't keep snacks in the house because that that'll be your downfall. Let's hide them under the bed. Uh, I got. Have don't you tried? Keep, have don't you tried keep snacks in the, in the house? Have you tried jalapeno Cheetos before? <sighs> they sound amazing. Yeah, they're good. They've changed my life for the worse. I think, but like they're nine bucks a pack, but they're fucking good. You know, it's my addiction. I think. Pack, pack a day addiction. My strange addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, what about what about your week? Yeah. What about your week in terms of like prepping for yourself? So you do that sort of stuff. Is it that every week, or do you mix it up where you just do big batches where it lasts you for like five days? You know. Uh, so I do like so. I'll on a Sunday I'll probably do like two or three things. Like I might grill some chicken, um, make a stroganoff, um, or you know do a casserole or do a curry, and I'll just have those in the fridge. And whatever I don't eat, I'll just chuck it in the freezer, and that'll you know go on to next week. But I do like huge batches, you know, or like I'll do a stock, and I'll just have that going, and I might have soup during the week or. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for me, I think it's a little bit easier because I can just look at ingre- ingredients and be like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this. Like, I, you know, I really felt like a, um, I really felt like a carbonara one day and I didn't have pancetta or, you know, bonchale. So I was like, well, what am I going to use for this umami part of the, of, the, of the carbonara? And I had eggs and I had some parmesan. I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm just going to mix it with some like miso paste. So made like a miso carbonara and like that was enough because it was, it still had that punch, like that salty punch from like, you know, the, the you know, the pancetta. Um, and then, yeah, so it's easier for me, I think, to create something from scratch. But <laughs> yeah, meal prepping, like every Saturday night, I'm like, I'll write a menu. I think that helps because then you know what you're going to get um, at the market. Um, when I was cooking for my aunt, like she... Like she wasn't eating um, a lot, so she was losing weight really quickly. Um, and, you know, she had issues like swallowing and like chewing as well. So I had to make really like calorie, like high calorie foods that were also soft and tasty <laughs> so that she would eat it. Um, so that was a little bit of a challenge for me. And so, you know, we were eating that with her. So 
What about yeah. things that always made the shopping basket? What's something that yeah. when you go to the supermarket always makes the trolley for the week shopping? Could be a guilty pleasure. Could not, you know. Um. Oh. Okay. So I'll start with guilty pleasure. I, for a while, I was doing keto, so it was just like a high fat, low carb sort of diet. Um. And like it works wonders, but it's not sustainable. And I, they, so Quest does these peanut butter, like they're sort of like Reese's like peanut butter cups except they're like keto friendly because they've got no no sugar and I think there's like one gram of carb in them and it's just it's just like a slab of peanut butter covered in chocolate and they were so good they always made it in the basket they still do sometimes uh nowadays uh I always like to have a pack of like Vitaweets um and then I'll get like you know ham and like some Jarlsberg like that's my go-to snack. I feel like that's semi-healthy, but I'll like, depending on the day, I'll just like lather more butter or like some Vegemite on it. And that's my little afternoon snack. That always makes it in the basket. <laughs> hey, hey, question we ask all our guests is a bit of a mental health question is what do you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? Uh, I exercise like I have to, like, cause I, I kind of feel like I have to, cause I eat so much food. Uh, but I always exercise. Um, you know, I feel like it's one of those in, in the way that I've calibrated that in my brain is that, um, you know, like no matter what's going on in life, like that's the one thing that you can count on where if you if you go there consistently, it's going to help both your brain and your body. And like it sucks <laughs> when you first start, but that's the only thing that's reliable unless you hurt yourself, like be safe doing it. Um and that's, you know, that's gotten, gotten me through like breakups. That's gotten me through, you know, hard times in life. Like it was just the one consistent thing that I have control over. And just having that little thing in the back of my head was like really comforting. Oh, I love that. Robbie's been getting his sweat on lately too. And he's been telling everyone about it. He got this bike off Marketplace. They delivered to him, bargain. And he's been sweating up, taking the top off, just doing a lot of me, me, me stuff. He bought the mirror out in the garage. We go, just chill out, bro. So yeah. it's not true. <laughs> it is true. The bike part is true. There's no Why mirror in the garage. To deny it? Why are you trying to deny it? I'm not trying to, I'm not denying the exercise part. I'm denying that I brought the mirror out to look at myself while I was doing the oh, thing. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with that and get it like, I don't think there's anything. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with watching you, watching the progress of, of you getting better and being, you know, good to yourself, self-love. Locke's just teasing because he's too busy eating his two-minute noodles and wanting his... his Jumping t- on the trampoline out the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's my exercise, huh? Hey, we're yeah, you got to have, have a fitness goal. <laughs> that would be good. Imagine if I did have a trampoline. Hey, do you want to come around and have a bounce after work? That's weird. Did you know, you know that, did you know that um, like, I think it's like 15 minutes on the treadmill, it's like running 5Ks. Like, that's how much calories you burn. Oh, on a trampoline? Mm-hmm. There you go. Maybe you should get the trampoline. Oh, I'll put the things on the side so I don't fall off. As a kid, you yeah. did the pogo stick, didn't you? Oh, I, honestly. It's still considered like, cardio. Yeah, that's what I meant. I, I was pretty good on the pogo stick. I don't know if that's good for your exercise or whatever. Real niche sort of sport, but is it a sport or it's a hobby? <laughs> is I don't it know. a sport? <laughs> I don't know if there's competitions, but I can do no-handers and I can do about a 1,000. So I don't, know, right. I don't reckon Lee's... I feel like that's more of a circus life. act. What's that, sorry? I feel like it's more of a circus act. A little bit. I can't juggle. I can only juggle two at a time. That's not that impressive. I honestly don't feel like you've put your best foot forward to, on today's chat. If I'm no, honest, no, like, yeah. you've been covered a lot. You know, like it's it's pretty. We're polar opposites, but honestly, I I love the way you. I I uh, 
admire and I respect what you've been able to do with your career and the food stuff's just amazing. Look forward to like the next phase of Lee Chan, whatever that is, but like stoked for you to sort of come out the other end. And, you show. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking pumped. Yeah, you got the storytelling one. So when's that again for people listening at home? Uh, yeah, 7th of September. It's uh, at Lewill's Cafe. Uh, there'll be a link on my profile in on Instagram. So check it out. Too easy. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been great thank to chat. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been really fun chatting. I reckon if you we went to a dinner party and you turned your nose up to Lee's cooking, because on air she's very nice, and yeah. not saying she's not nice off air. Well, what are you trying to imply? I'm trying to say she might punch the fuck out of you. If you, <laughs> if you turned your nose up to her cooking, she made some stuff with love, and you didn't try things. I, I would never do that to Lee. Nah, nah, you nah, would. Nah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. She's like a trying to make Lee five star special. Michelin chef. You know what I mean? Like she's top top quality. I'd eat anything. Lee, I, I left so hungry after this chat, though. So yeah. hungry. I was stomach like, was oh. grumbling. I was like, I want to eat something. I want to go and talk about food, eat some food, do some stuff. I'm starving. Some of the hacks too in the in the fridge and that, just make the salads and make the sides so you don't have to think about it and just, you'll even save when you go to the takeaway shops, you know what I mean? You, you just need the fish, you just need the burger, you just need the steak, you know? All right, I like that. Well, hey, if you're new to the Funny Business Podcast, do you know what you could do to help spread the word for what we're doing? Tell a friend uh, about an episode, hit that share button, send it to a friend who might get some value out of listening to the Funny Business Podcast because that will go a long way to helping us grow the show. We've been going around now over 700 episodes, three and a half years doing the Funny Business Podcast and the way that our show grows, and we know that for a fact, one, because we don't do any paid marketing. So the way that we grow is by the people who listen, sharing the good word. So please, it would really go a long way. Send it to a friend who doesn't already know about us and just bring us up in a conversation with someone. Spark that debate. <laughs> hey, we love you. See you next time. Bye.